0: School's not even in. We're not even used to getting up early. Made it to the 9 AM service. Hey, we're we're excited you're here. Um, a couple of things really quickly. Grow groups have kicked off for the summer this last week, but it is not too late. We've been saying it this way that we would encourage you. Uh, we know you're going to be on vacation and you're going to have time away and family things and different things like that. And we we want you to go and enjoy those times and be on vacation and. Enjoy that, but when you're here, we want to encourage you to be in a group. We've had several people uh, join groups this summer, which we're excited about uh, continuing to grow with all of you guys. Um, if you haven't joined a group yet, I would encourage you to get on the app or the website today and uh, look through those groups for the summer. Figure out which one works best for you and your family, and get plugged in uh, during the summer. And then I want to make mention of something uh, that'll be it'll be uh, kind of new. Some of you to be brand new. Uh, but we've done this every year since we've been to church. Every July, we have what we call a big citywide serve day. So every, yeah. So if you're familiar with this, you know what we're talking about. But I want to take just a couple of minutes and explain it to you because it's so, uh, it's such a big thing that we do. Every single year. Um, you know, every month we have like a first Saturday serve day where we're either serving, you know, in the Piggly Wiggly parking lot and loving on people there, serving lunches, or we're serving at the food pantry, different opportunities that are available for us to serve in those ways. But every year in July, uh, we have a big, uh, a big serve day where we serve all across our city on multiple teams, and we always encourage 100% participation on this serve day because this is a very unique opportunity that we have to literally be the hands and feet of Jesus and love people right where they are, help other organizations in our community, uh, maybe get some things done that they haven't been able to get done on their own, uh, things like that. And so uh, this is going to be on Saturday, July the 9th. Uh, So we're about four or five weeks away, Saturday, July the 9th. We do this from 8 a.m. We'll meet right out here in the parking lot at 8 a.m. and we'll serve until noon at our different locations, different teams, Uh, And then we have some teams that end up going to lunch together and hanging out together, you know, somewhere in the afternoon. And then some, uh, once their project is finished, they, you know, head to the house and and, uh, enjoy the rest of their Saturday. But we want you to be a part of this, and here's how you can do that. Uh, We have the Church Center app, and I want to read these. I have my phone because I want to read these off to you. Um, But uh, for this Serve Day, we actually have 16 different teams that you have the opportunity to choose from. Um, our, our outreach uh, leaders are Abe and Hannah Wheeler, and they have done an amazing job month to month, but then every single year helping organize and contacting and getting projects set up and things like that. Uh, so you'll have the opportunity. You can be on, uh, we always have mow teams, and so we go. Uh, we have teams that go across our, our city, and they mow yards for people that are just in need of it. Just stop by and say, hey, can we mow your yard? This is what we're doing. We're on a serve day. Our church just wants to be a blessing to you. Uh, we have that available. Uh, we're going to be serving at Living Word Christian Academy, so there'll be a team for that. There'll be one that'll be serving at the food pantry and then doing some park cleanup and then serving lunches in the Piggly Wiggly parking lot. We'll be serving at Aiken Elementary, at Justice Elementary, at Paris Junior High, Chisholm Schools, Paris Pregnancy Center, the Salvation Army, Casa for Kids, Habitat for Humanity, Boys and Girls Club, uh, Impact Paris, Recovery Ministry, and City Square. So we're going to be, um, we're going to be, yeah, we're going to be all over our city. Uh, this is the most projects we've ever had. Um, I think last year we had around 13, this year we have 16 that are available. So here's what you can do, and this helps us out tremendously, um, and it also helps you be prepared. Um, if you'll go on, you can get it on the Church Center app, there's a tab at the bottom that says Events. When you click on that, you'll see all of our events. That's where you sign up for baptisms. That's where you sign up for uh, child dedication. That's where you sign up for next steps, all those things. There's going to be one of those is going to say Serve Day 22. And when you click on that, you'll have the opportunity to register just like you would for anything else. And then when the drop-down menu pulls up, it's going to list those 16 teams. Um, they are limited in number based on what the project looks like it's going to be. And so we don't want to have a ton of people in one place for this certain project, but nobody over here. So it is uh, kind of on a first-come, first-served basis. So the sooner you get on there and kind of look through those, then you'll be able to select, hey, where are me and my family going to serve on serve day this year on July the 9th? So I wanted to let you know about that. Uh, so that you can begin to prepare over the next four weeks and then uh, we'll gather up uh, everybody that serves you get a free t-shirt we all you know have these it's it's kind of become this thing where we all get these serve day shirts and we wear them and then people wear them all throughout the year and and uh, different opportunities to serve but you'll get a shirt that day we're going to circle up and pray that day and then we're going to divide up in all of our teams and we're going to just love our community we're going to just serve our community like we have never served before. We're going to paint things, and we're going to fix things, and we're going to replace things, and we're going we're gonna to clean up things. I mean, we're just going to, in every way that we can be a blessing to organizations and schools and people in our community, we're going to do it. And so we want you to be a part of it. So I wanted to let you know about that, and we'll talk to you more about that over the next few weeks as that gets closer, but that's on Saturday, July the 9th. All right. So, uh, throughout the summer, we are in a series that we've called Red Letters, and you know this if you've been here. We're looking at the teachings of Jesus, and so if you have a red letter Bible, uh, then, then as you read through that, you'll see things that are in red. Those are things that Jesus spoke or that Jesus taught, and so we're going through this series and looking at different, uh, different ways that, that Jesus taught us different things. And so we've talked about you know, how to handle someone who sins against us or offends us. Uh, we've, looked, we've talked about looking inward before trying to help others. Uh, last week we talked about how we respond to persecution and pressure is a reflection of our heart condition. And uh, today's going to be part four, but I would encourage you to go back on any of those messages if you've missed them. And go back and check that out on the podcast. You can get the audio on the app. You can actually watch the message if you prefer to do that. Um, but we would love for you to go back if you've missed any of that and get caught up on what it is that we've talked about in this series. But today we're going to begin in Mark chapter 7. And I want to read 23 verses, and then we're going to talk about this and bring in some other scripture as well um, as we go through some points today. But Mark chapter 7, starting in verse 1, uh, you can find that in your Bible or we'll have it on the screen and you can follow along. It says, One day some Pharisees and teachers of religious law arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They notice that some of his disciples failed to follow the Jewish ritual of hand-washing before eating. The Jews, especially the Pharisees, do not eat until they have poured water over their cupped hands, as required by their ancient, ancient traditions. Similarly, they don't eat anything from the market until they immerse their hands in water. This is, be, this is but one of many traditions they have clung to, such as their ceremonial washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of religious law asked him, why don't your disciples follow our age-old tradition? They eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony. Jesus replied, you hypocrites. going in interesting that a lot of what we're reading that Jesus was teaching, he's, he's constantly referring to people as hypocrites, you know, like, hey, there's something going on behind the scenes here that, that, uh, that I need to make you aware of. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. For you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. Then he said, you skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your own tradition. For instance, Moses gave you this law from God. Honor your father and mother, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say it is all right for people to say to their parents, Sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. In this way, you let them disregard their needy parents. And so you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. And this is only one example among many others. Then Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. All of you listen, he said, and try to understand. It's not what goes into your body that defiles you. You're defiled by what comes from your heart. Then Jesus went into a house to get away from the crowd, and his disciples asked him what he meant by the parable he had just used. Do you, do you under, you, don't you understand either, he asked? Can't you see that the food you put into your body cannot defile you? Food doesn't go into your heart, but only passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. By saying this, he declared that every kind of food is acceptable in God's eyes. And then he added, it is what comes from inside that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. For part four of our series, I've titled the message today, It All Starts Here. It all starts here. Um, You ever... You ever found yourself in your marriage in a difficult place and when you began to kind of trace things back and you're wondering, you ever ask yourself the question, how did we get here? And you began to trace things back throughout time and you kind of came to this moment in time or this season in time or this decision in a moment where you thought, yep, it all started there. The reason we're in this place right now is because it all started there. Or, you ever found yourself in an addiction, and you started tracing it back, or somebody was helping you trace it back to where it all began, where it all started? Or have you ever found yourself, I was thinking about this, you know, even far from God, you feel feel distant from God, you felt far from God. And so you began to, to really internalize and think about what is it that has led me to this place. I heard somebody say one time that if you feel far from God, somebody moved, but it wasn't God. God has already said that he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us. God's not going anywhere. So if we feel far from God, it's us that has, that has created the distance between ourselves and God. And you trace it back and you can look at it and see, oh, it all started there. It all began there. Or isn't it true that every place, good or bad, that you have found yourself in in your life can probably be traced back to a decision or a period of time, and there's usually a place where it all started. When you think about different seasons of your life, different things that you've been through, different struggles that you've been through, you can probably go back and trace it back to a place where you would be able to say it all started here. It all started here. Um, I believe there is so much that we can learn from what Jesus taught in these verses. uh, But I just want to pull out three points, and today I've put them in the form of questions, questions that we need to ask ourselves um, as we go through these 23 verses and talk about it a little bit more. So here's question number one. You can write this down. Have you made a bad trade have you made a bad trade and as I was thinking about this um, anybody ever made a trade for something else only to discover that what you traded for wasn't all that it was cracked up to be (laughs) I was I was processing through this over this last week as I was kind of bringing this together and I was thinking just some simple things you traded one come on if you're a video gamer you traded one video game for another. And man, you got into that game and you played it for a few days. And you thought, this isn't even as good as what I traded in to get this. Like what I had before. I enjoyed that even more than what I did this. I feel like I made a bad trade. Maybe, come on, you traded one job for another. Only to figure out in the course of time... That it wasn't all it was cracked up to be whenever you took that job or that position and left the one that you had before. And, you, and and six months down the road, you thought, man, I made a bad trade. If I could go back and do that over again, I would not make that decision. Uh, come on, you ever traded in one vehicle for another? And then you discovered, I bought a lemon. <laughs> And I just wish I could go back to the 1997 Honda that I traded in to get this brand new car or this car that's just a few years old. Come on, you ever ever traded in one vehicle for another and then you got that first payment in the mail? And you thought, oh dear God, what did I do? (laughs) I traded in no payments for payments. And I made a bad trade. (laughs) And I wish I could go back. And after I drove it off the lot, it went down 30%. (laughs) And I wish I'd have just slept on the decision before I actually made it. Come on, you ever made a bad trade? You ever traded one relationship for another and found out that the only reason the grass looked greener on the other side was because you couldn't see all the crap? I heard somebody say this one time in areas of our lives, if the grass looks greener at your job or the grass looks greener, you know, on the other side of the fence in any area, maybe it's time to water your own yard. (laughs) I I was thinking about multiple times in my life where I've made a bad trade. That there was something I'm, I'm thinking, man, if I could go back and do that differently, I would do that differently. If I could go back and and not trade this for this, then I would not make that trade. And it's interesting because um, as we look back at verses 5 through 8, I want to read them again and then point out a couple of things as we go through point number one, talking about have you made a bad trade. This is what, this is what the Pharisees said. So, so, so the Pharisees and teachers of religious law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples follow our age-old tradition? They eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony. Jesus replied, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. For he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. For you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. And the Pharisees, they have just been questioning Jesus like, why don't you, you know, if you read the, the Gospels and you read, you know, the, the story of Jesus when he was on the earth. The Pharisees and these, these religious leaders, they were always trying to trap Jesus. You know, what can we say? What question can we ask? Where can we, how can we trap Jesus and catch him saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing? How can we discredit Jesus? And he, they're asking Jesus why he doesn't make his disciples follow their traditions And I think Jesus' response is one that we should all consider in our lives. Because here's what Jesus says He says, You honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. You know what to say, but your heart is far from me. And he says that their worship is a farce. In other words, it's absurd, it's a sham. Or it's a masquerade. Like you, you worshiping is like you're, it's like you've put a mask on. And you know all of the right things to do, but your heart is far from me. And I think that it would be, it would be good for us to consider Jesus' response. When the Pharisees said, why don't you make your disciples do all the things that we would consider tradition? That we've done for years, that we've created these rituals and things that we feel like people need to do. And Jesus says, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. And here's one way I think that we can interpret what Jesus was trying to communicate. Is that they professed great devotion to the Lord, but they were inwardly corrupt. Like on the outside, we're honoring God on the outside. But if you could see on the inside, my heart is not, it's not connected to my Heavenly Father. And my heart is not in what I'm doing. They pretended to worship God with rituals, but they were substituting rituals for true worship, which is a heart surrendered to God. And they were more concerned about holding on to, to, to traditions Than they were about holding on to God's word and relationship with him. Jesus. It blows my mind to think that Jesus was there in the flesh. God with us. God in the flesh. The invisible God made visible through Jesus Christ. And while Jesus is there among them. They are still more concerned about all of their rituals. And religion. When Jesus is trying to say. The kingdom of God. Is here. If you want to know. What the father looks like. Then you can look at me. And in the midst of Jesus being on earth. In the flesh. They were still more concerned. About holding on to to, to tradition. Than they were about holding on to the word of God. or Holding on to relationships with him in other words i just jotted down some things that we might could relate to as jesus is making this statement and maybe some things that we need to pay attention to in our own lives you say all the right things but it's not real right you say all the right things but it's not real worship you say you're a christian but your heart says otherwise you do what you you think makes you look good but i don't have your heart you You do what you think is the right thing for you to do, but your heart is far from me you say you're you're a Jesus follower, but your actions would say otherwise or or you're just fooling people into believing that you worship me, but we both know this is this is how I think the the Lord communicates with me sometimes is almost this picture of your' you're, you're Causing people to believe that this is who you are. But you and I both know that's not really the case. Because I can see into the depths of you. And Jesus says, you honor me with your lips, with what you say. But I don't have your heart. Your heart is far from God. And I love how Jesus points this out to them. And here's what we know is that God is more concerned with the condition of our heart than who we pretend to be. God is more concerned about having our hearts than he is about us going through all the motions. Some of us, were good about going through the motions. Come on, anybody ever just went, you just went to work and went through the motions all day and when you got home you thought, I don't even know really what I did. Anybody ever just been, anybody ever just driven down the road and got to your destination and thought, I went through like four stoplights and I don't remember any of them. Like, did I stop? Did I just go right through? (laughs) Anybody ever been driving home and you're tired and you get home and you think, thank God I made it here because I don't even know how I got here. I was just It was just routine. I was just going through the motions. And we have such a great way of just getting in routine and getting in ritual. And we go through the motions. And some of us are good about going through the motions. But we've traded real relationship with Jesus for simply just going through the motions. And God today would say, I see what you're doing. But your heart is far from me. I see what you're doing. I see all of the right things that you're trying to do but your heart is disconnected from me. And here's what this may look like in our own lives if we were to just make it practical. You know, maybe going through the motions looks like, you know, we we attend church because it's what we're supposed to do, but we don't really follow Jesus and his ways. And I would submit to you today that God God is more concerned about you following Jesus than doing all the right things that you think you're supposed to do. We claim Christianity because we prayed a prayer once, but our lives don't actually reflect Jesus. And so when we claim to be a Christian, we say we are Christ-like, but our lives or our hearts would say otherwise. Or, you know, we, we serve because it helps us feel better about doing something good, but it's just an action to us and it's not an act of worship to God while we're doing it. And this is not to condemn you, this is just to say maybe there needs to be a moment where we take inventory to say, am I doing all of the right things, but God really doesn't have my heart? Because God God wants your heart. He wants your heart. When He has your heart, then every other area of your life, you'll submit to Him. And a lot of us, we have different areas of our lives where we haven't really submitted that area of our life to God. And maybe he would say to you, I see what you're doing. You know, if you read through the, the, the letters to the churches in Revelation, I see what you're doing. And even some of those, he says, and it's good. But here's where you've gone off. Here's where you've gone astray. Here's where you've slipped one step to the left, and we need to come back over here. And I think that, that Jesus loves you enough today to just ask you the question, have, have you traded in rituals and religion and going through the motions for true relationship and true worship of your Heavenly Father? Because whenever you, it, it's, it's just that whole process of seeking first the kingdom and His righteousness. And then all these things will be added unto you. And I think about whenever, whenever, we, whenever we fully surrender our heart to God and God has our heart. Then when, when something comes up or there's an area of our life, then, then we can say, no, I've, I've, I'm submitting that to God. I'm submitting that area. My, I'm submitting my finances to God. I'm submitting my relationships to God. I'm submitting, you know, my job and my career and, and whatever it is. Like, I've submitted that to God. He has my heart. He has my heart. The Pharisees, they were more concerned about their own rituals than they were about God's truth and and pure worship. And they had traded the truth of the word for traditions. And they had traded true worship of God for rituals. And I found this interesting as I was studying this. Because of what the Pharisees were doing, Jesus even pointed out, if you go back and read it, um, I believe it's in verses seven, eight, nine, and 13. he points out different ways that they have neglected the authority of God's word in what they're doing. that you have walked away from the authority of God's word to do your own thing, right? I, some of what he says he says that they were teaching their doctrines as God's Word, things that they had just made up, things that they had elaborated on and they were teaching that as God's word or That they had let go of God's word, they had set aside God's word, and that they had nullified or they had canceled God's word because of the things that they were doing. And they had gotten so wrapped up in religion and rituals and things that needed to be done or that they felt like needed to be done that they had traded God's truth for their own thing. And isn't it so easy to think that we're doing all the right things but not even be connected to our Heavenly Father? To go through the motions, but not even really have relationship, an intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father. I came across this chart um, as I was preparing that portrayed this contrast between our traditions and God's truth and how sometimes we tend to get off. And it said that man's tradition uh, is, is about outward forms, but the truth of God's word is about inward faith. Man's tradition, you know, we have a tendency to focus on unimportant rules when God's truth is about fundamental principles. Things that if you'll apply this to your life, it works because God said it works. And so we get off, we get off in in unimportant things. Focusing more on them than the principles that God has in his word. Man's, you know... Approach would be outward religion But the truth is inward holiness Like are you allowing God to sanctify you And to allow you to be transformed Into the image of Jesus And man's tendency is to neglect Or replace God's word With what we want or what we think And the truth Is that we need to exalt God's word And not try to adapt it Or adjust it But adapt to it And allow it to change us. And Jesus was pointing out that they may think that they look good. Or that what they're basing their lives on was good. But ultimately they were neglecting the one thing that is truth and actually changes us. And may we never ever trade the truth of God's word for what we think is best. Or following Jesus for saying all the right things. Or may we never trade a surrendered heart to God for rituals that just make us look good that just make people around us think a certain way about us. For the Pharisees, everything was all about how they looked on the outside to others, but they were far from God in their hearts. And I wonder if any of us can relate today that maybe we look good on the outside, but our hearts are far from God. Here's something else that Jesus said about these, these guys. This is Matthew 23, 27, and 28. He says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs. Beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. And at the end of the day, I put it this way in my notes, because this is how I felt like the Lord spoke it to me personally. Is that at the end of the day, how I make myself look on the outside won't hold a candle to what God sees on the inside. That how how I portray myself won't hold anything to what God knows and sees on the inside. In fact, you know this story, and we've quoted this, this verse many times, but whenever Saul is the king and Samuel has been sent to go anoint the new king, which is going to be David, Samuel gets there and he arrives at, at Jesse's house, and, and one of the first things he does is start looking at appearance. And here's what, here's what God says to Samuel. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. Come on, that's good news. For, <laughs> Ooh, isn't that good news today? <laughs> that the Lord does not see things the way that you see them. He does not see them the way that I see them. That he does not judge. It says that people judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. He sees our heart. And I wanted to ask you this question before we move on to, to uh, the second point today. Is as you sit here, here's what you need, to, here's what you need to, to understand, and this is a sobering thought, that as you sit here today, God is looking at your heart. While we might be looking at the outside, and we might say, well, I like that shirt. Where'd you get that shirt? We might think, wow, you look you look nice today. While you sit here in this room, God is looking at your heart. So here's my, here's my question. What does he see? Right now, in that seat, what does God see when he looks at your heart? Is it someone just going through the motions? Someone trying to just make sure that they appear a certain way? Or is it someone whose life and worship isn't this sham or a masquerade, but it's pure and true? It's pure and true. I, I love, before we go on to point to, I, w- I want to say this. I love the way that our church worships. I love that we look forward to opportunities where we can gather together for an hour, hour and a half on a Sunday night and have a night of worship. And that we look at that as a moment and an opportunity like, I'm going to come tonight and I'm going to seek God. And I'm going to come tonight and I'm going to put him first when I could be doing anything else on a Sunday night. No, I want to be in his presence with everybody else and I want to be here as we worship God. I love that about our church. I do. I do. I love the fact that when we have a night of worship, the room is just full of people yes. that are excited to worship God. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, God's looking at your heart. And so my question for you to even go home with, come on and talk about on the ride home today. Think about as you, as you lay down to take your Sunday afternoon nap. Come on, can I get an amen, somebody? <laughs> is that you, would, that you would ask yourself the question, what, what does God see when he's looking at my heart? What does he see? Here's question number two. How is your heart? Um, isn't it interesting that the, the thing that not only is the source of physical life inside of us is also the source of everything else that comes out of us? It's the thing that gives us life that God has put inside of us the way he created us that, that pumps blood all throughout your body and does everything that's necessary for you to be alive right now where you are sitting today. It's the same thing that is the source of everything that comes out of you. Um, I want to look back at starting at verse 14 in Mark chapter 7 and read to the end of what we read and then talk about this for just a couple of minutes. Then Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. All of you listen, he said, and try to understand. It's not what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes from your heart. Then Jesus went into a house to get away from the crowd, and his disciples asked him what he meant by the parable he had just used. Don't you understand either, he asked. Can't you see that the food you put into your body cannot defile you? Food doesn't go into your heart, but only passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. And by saying this, he declared that every kind of food is acceptable in God's eyes. And then he added, look at this, it's, it is what comes from inside you that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within, and they are what defile you. And here Jesus, I feel like he makes this quick shift because he wants to teach his disciples something. And he's just had this conversation with Pharisees, and his disciples are there. And he makes a statement, and then they go inside, and his disciples are like, can you explain, as they do a lot of times in the Scripture, can you explain what you just said to everybody? Because we need a little more depth. We need a little more understanding so that we can figure out what it is you're trying to communicate. And the, the Pharisees, you know, they're making this big deal out of a ceremonial washing And the types of things that people should and shouldn't eat. And Jesus uses this moment to turn the lesson inward and focuses on what's in their heart. Because there's all this talk about, well, if you eat this, you're going to be defiled. And if you do this, you're going to be defiled. And if you didn't wash your hands and you didn't cup them in the right way and you didn't wash up to your elbows, then why are you eating? Because you're going to be defiled. And Jesus takes this opportunity to say, you're a hypocrite. And now let me teach you something. It's not not about the foods that you eat and doing all of the right things. Like what what you're eating doesn't defile you. Because it's going to pass through your body. But it's what comes from within, within you is what actually defiles you. And basically, I feel like Jesus makes this statement. He says, food ends up in the stomach, but sin begins in the heart. And he makes this shift in a moment. He says, you want to know what I was talking about? Here's what's most important. Food is not going to defile you. Food ends up in the stomach and then passes out of your body. But sin, sin begins in your heart. Sin begins in your heart. In other words, here's what Jesus said. It all starts here. It all starts here. Look at what, this is This is what Jeremiah would tell us. The prophet, he said this in Jeremiah 17, 9. He says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? This is why it's a terrible idea for you to follow your heart. This is why it is so much more important that you learn how to lead your heart. This is why it is so important what you allow in your heart. Because Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitful. Like, who can really even understand how wicked our heart really is? The innermost part of you. Who can really understand how sinful you can really be? Jesus says, sin it all starts right here you ever you ever followed your heart and ended up in turmoil and regret i was just i was just following my heart i was just i was just following what i felt like was right i was just following what i felt like i was supposed to do I was just like somebody told me one time just follow your heart you have to lead your heart you have to surrender your heart here's something that Jesus also told us this is in Luke chapter 6 he says a good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit a tree is identified by its fruit figs are never gathered from thorn bushes and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes A good person, look at this verse, produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what's in your heart. What you say flows from what's in your heart. In other words, what's in your heart will eventually shine through in your actions and the words that you speak. And I would say it this way, it's really only a matter of time. And that's what Jesus is telling us. He says, you can only fool yourself and others for so long before the things that you've stored up in your heart will begin to come out. The things that you've stored up in your heart are what's going to come out of your mouth. It's what's going to come out in your actions. They're going to come rushing out of you. And have you you ever met someone... That you thought, wow, I didn't I didn't know that was in them. You ever been have you ever been the person that you got you got squeezed and something came out of you? And you went home and you thought, what? I know I have (laughs) there have been instances where there has been something that came out of me and I'm thinking apparently I was storing up some things in my heart that I didn't even realize were there because it came rushing out of me which leads me to the last question and I want to end with this this is so important and I know this is so basic, but this is so important. What are you planting in your heart? If Jesus said that that what you say and what you do is going to come out of what is stored in your heart, then doesn't it make sense that we should pay attention to what we're storing in our heart? I I was looking, you know... In verse 45, Luke 6, 45, we just read it where he says, you know, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Look at Proverbs four twenty-three. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Your heart, you have to guard. You know what that means to me? When, when the writer of this proverb says, you need to guard your heart above all else, it means I need to pay close attention yeah. to what I'm allowing to be planted in my heart. Amen. Because my heart, what's in my heart, is going to determine the course of my life. And if we know that what we say and do comes directly from what's in our heart, then isn't it important what we allow in our heart. And too often, as I was I was thinking through this, too often I was thinking about me. And I'm like, man, too often I am, and I think you could probably relate as well, careless with what gets in here. Too often we are careless with what gets in here. We allow a fence to get in here. We allow offense to get in here. And let me tell you. What's stored up in your heart will eventually come out. We we allow offense to take root in our heart. We allow unforgiveness to take root in our heart. We allow opinions of others to take root in our heart. We allow negative words to take root in our heart. And in all of these things, we allow wrong thinking to take root in our heart. We start thinking about something in the wrong way, and what you're storing up in your heart, Jesus says, that's what's going to be produced out of your life, so it is important what we're allowing in here, what we're putting in here, what we're being intentional to allow in here, what we're allowing to take root, because I was thinking through some of these and like, allowing negative words to take root, if, if. If you have a tendency to think negatively, maybe, maybe you've allowed negative things to take root in your heart. And what's in your heart's coming out. If if bitterness is coming out of you, maybe, I think that Jesus would say, maybe there's some offense that you've allowed to take root in here. There's some unforgiveness that you've allowed to take root in your heart. And that's why that's coming out of you. Because what you've stored up in your heart will come out. What you've stored up in your heart will come out. I mean, you think about, you think about it, was, it was a prime example. You think about two years ago and everything that, that, that we went through as a country and as a, as a world, and people don't know what to do. and pe- I mean, I'm talking about 2020. I saw a, a calendar some, somebody had put, I can't remember who showed me this, but somebody had put a calendar online, and it said 2019, 2020, 2021, had 2020 marked out. Like, you know, that doesn't count <laughs> that whole year. And in moments where there's, there's pressure, in moments where there's a squeezing, in moments when you're walking through something, here's what I would submit to you. Your good intentions won't come out. What you've stored in your heart will come out. I have good intentions. But when push comes to shove, what's in here, that's what's going to come out. So I have to pay attention to what I'm planting in my heart. Yeah. Too often we simply just don't guard our heart. In Luke 6:45 that we just read the Greek word in this translation that I read to you today that we translate as the treasury is a word that means it's a storehouse of treasure, including, look at this, thoughts stored up in the heart and mind. If you were to look at other translations of Proverbs 4.23, it even talks about your thinking. Guard your thoughts. Because your thoughts run your life. Our hearts and our thoughts are so vitally important. and Jesus said that it's the things that come out of our hearts that defile us. I heard it said this way one time, and it's stuck with me. Man, it's stuck with me for years. And my wife will remember this. this. This person said, The enemy is constantly attacking us, trying to discourage us, and trying to get us to compromise our belief and faith. So why would you do or say or allow things to come into your life, your mind, or your heart that will only give him more ammo to use? Is there? Wouldn't you agree that you're already under enough attack? Wouldn't you agree that it's already hard enough to fight through some of the things that the enemy just keeps throwing at your family and keeps throwing at your marriage and keeps throwing at your kids and keeps throwing into this situation and throwing into that situation? I mean, isn't it already... Like, wouldn't you say that the enemy already has enough ammo... That we don't need to be giving him extra things that he can use to try to prod and pick and jab us here and do this here. Like what you're letting into your heart, it matters. And we've got to be intentional. Why would you, why would you watch that thing and give the enemy something to play with? Why would you go there and give the enemy something to twist? Why would you involve yourself in that gossip situation and give the enemy more ammo to make you bitter we have got to learn the importance of guarding our hearts and i'm not here today to tell you don't listen to that and don't watch that and some of you are like well if he starts telling me what I can and can't watch, and what music I can and can't listen to. This is not the church for us. I am not telling you that, but here's what I'm submitting to you. What you're letting in matters. And so what I would submit to you is just take it to the Lord. You can never go wrong whenever you say, God, is this okay? Is this what's best for me? Is this going to affect me? I don't want to give the enemy any more ammo to, to distract me or take or... or Push me off course or anything like that. So is this okay? Like, do I, do I need to make some shifts? Do I need to change some things? Do I need to, to start this or stop that? Like, just submit it to the Lord. I'm not here to tell you what to do and what not to do. I'm here to give you God's word. And Jesus himself said that a good person, what's in your heart, it's going to produce good things if you've stored up good, and it's going to produce bad things if you store up bad. And that, you know, you need to guard your heart and pay attention to what's getting in here because it will determine the course of your life. And if the Word of God is true, and I believe it is, and I hope you do too, I think that our Heavenly Father, the one who created us, who formed us and made us, knows us better than we know ourselves, and He gave us His Word so that we can take it and we can apply it to our lives and we can know this is what's best for me and this is the direction I need to go and this is what I need to submit to the Lord and this is what I need to pay attention to and this is what I need to apply to my life so that I can best follow Jesus. So that I can best follow him in every area of my life. And so I would ask you this question. What are you allowing in your heart? What are you allowing in your heart? Will you stand to your feet and bring the worship team back? And I want you, as you go through your week, as you go through your Sunday, man, I, just, I felt like the Lord gave these to me in the form of questions because there were maybe some things that we needed to write down and just say, I need to ask myself these questions on Monday. I need to ask myself, am I in the process of making a bad trade? Have I already made a bad trade? And I'm in, a, I'm in this religious mindset instead of relationship with Jesus. I'm trying to look a certain way, but my heart is really far from God. And I need to take inventory and say, how, how is my heart? And I love one pastor because he says that we need to ask questions like this. We need to ask ourselves, how's my heart really? Isn't it, isn't it true that the, the best person to deceive you is you? <laughs> how's my heart really? What have I allowed into my heart really? Is there something that's taken root in my heart really? that needs to be dealt with, that I need to be healed from, that that I need to submit to the Lord? And I think we probably need to ask ourselves, even daily, what maybe even before you lay your head down on a pillow at night, that you would just say, what have I planted in my heart? And do I need to take a moment and maybe repent from some things that I allowed to take root in my heart today? Maybe, you know, Make a shift, and okay, I, like, I know that in that situation, I'm planting that in my heart, and so I need to make some shifts, and Lord, help me to make some shifts in this way. What are you allowing? What are you planting in your heart? And I want to ask you this question. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes because I want this to be a moment and I've really felt the Lord leading us to ask this question. This is, this is a question I heard one time from another pastor that I listened to. And I, this question stuck with me so much every time I heard something that I think it's, I think it's the key to us applying God's Word and, and knowing which path to take and which step to take and getting wisdom. And it's simply this question that we've been asking ourselves. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you through this message? When you think about your heart, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? When you think about religion and relationship, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now? Is there is there something you just need to submit to the Lord today? Listen, our God is not a god of condemnation. But I do but I do believe that he'll convict us. If there's an area of our life where he says, "You know what? That's you're not experiencing my best for you in that area. You've you've kind of stepped over here and 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 you're more about trying to do all of the right things and you are focusing on your relationship with me and just spending time with me and allowing me to, to purify your heart so just ask the Lord as we sing this last song and we're going to we're gonna worship and we're going to lift our hands and we're going to sing and, and like I said earlier I love the way that our church worships I love that we lift our hands and we you know just as an act of surrender and saying God you are holy and you are good and you are faithful even when we're faithless you are faithful and your mercies are new every morning. It's your kindness that leads us to repentance. So just ask the Lord right where you are, Lord, just speak to me today. Show me any area of my life that I need to submit to you or things that I've allowed into my heart that I need to allow you to heal me from or that I need to do to things maybe a little bit differently than I've done before because I haven't been paying attention to what's getting in my heart and I want my heart to be pure I want my heart to be, uh, when you look in my heart I want you to to be pleased I want you to, to see there's somebody who's following me there's somebody who loves me, there's somebody that I can trust there's somebody who is full of compassion for others there's somebody who loves other people unconditionally so, Lord, today, right here in your presence, we ask you to speak to us. Lord, reveal anything. We give you permission to reveal anything that you need to reveal in our hearts and in our lives today. Bring us closer to you. Bring us closer to you. And Lord, as we sing this last song, I pray that it would be a declaration over our lives and over our marriages and over our kids and our families and situations and jobs and whatever the case may be that we speak the name of Jesus over that situation. We speak the name of Jesus over our family. We speak the name of Jesus over our marriage. We speak the name of Jesus over our job situation and our career. We speak the name of Jesus over our church. We speak the name of Jesus over every person that is in our sphere of influence. Today, we declare your goodness And that when the name of Jesus is spoken, it's the name above every name. The name above every name. At the name of Jesus, every situation, every tactic of the enemy has to bow. And we declare that in this place this morning over every person under the sound of my voice. Lord, as we speak your name in this room, I pray that you would do what only you can do through the power of of your name, the name of Jesus. It's in that name that we pray and we worship. And everybody said, Amen.